For our first message today, we have a split sermon from Mr. Mark McGarvey entitled, Stand with Christ. Mr. McGarvey. Thank you, Reg. Can you hear me in the back? Okay. All right. Yeah, I agree with Reg. It's, it's crazy how much half the church leaves when the youth go out. But that's a good thing. Excuse me one second. I'm just going to check. I see that light work, but I guess it doesn't. It's okay. So I want to um, start off by talking about um, a guy. I, I listened to his audio book, and I've seen some of his story on YouTube. Um, a guy by the name of Nabil Karashi. He was a devout Muslim who converted into a Christian. Some of you may have heard of his story. It, it's truly amazing. Um, and basically, I'm just going to run down what his story is about. Uh, he is um, American, American family. He was born here, has American accent. His mom and dad are from, I want to say Pakistan, I think. Um, and he was raised a Muslim. He, both his parents were Muslims. And, um, but when he started going to university, he had a friend, David, um, who they would test each other because Nabil was a strong Muslim, believed in his Muslim faith. David was a, was a Christian and strong in his faith. And they would always have this um, deal where they were both, both very um, big intellectuals. Nabil was studying to be a, a physician or something. Um, and they were always trying to one-upmanship on each other, trying to outdo each other. Um, and when it came down to, Nabil was at college, university, um, and for two or three years, he was so sure in his faith, David would ask him something, Nabil would say, yeah, of course, but in the Muslim faith, the Islam, we, we think this. David always get a better answer in and say, Nabil, but are you sure? You should check the Bible and see what Christ says about this and that. Um, and so over these two or three years while Nabil is at university, he keeps back-checking. He gets his own Bible. His dad had a, an old King James Bible in the home. Um, and he would constantly go back and check and study things and look at the scriptures himself. And every time he thought something, the Bible proved he was wrong. Now, there was a couple of things that he mentioned in his book that... I didn't know that the Muslims think about this about Christians and, and Jesus. One of them is that they think he was a great prophet, but he wasn't God. wasn't God in the flesh. He was just a great prophet. He's mentioned the Quran and how in the end times Jesus will help the world come together for Islam. Um, but he also, they also believe, Muslims believe, that there's nowhere in the Bible that Jesus claims his divinity and says he's the son of God. When I heard this, I thought, wait a minute, what about um, John 1, 1, 1 through 3, um, John um, chapter 8, 58, the great I am, and John 1, 14. That's just, they just came to mind instantly. I thought, 
They really think, eh, well, this, there's plenty there in the scriptures. He claims his divinity many times. And so they are just two of the things that the Muslims believe. And uh, the, the story basically comes down to, in the end, after two or three years of, of big studying and asking for help from David and other Christian friends, he eventually converts to Christianity. He, and towards the end, he says, it's just, there's no way. He says, I've studied this through and through. I have to believe in Christ. And in the end, and for, I guess for Muslims, big things in their religion is um, having dreams uh, or seeing things. And he asks God to provide a dream or a vision for him. And God does provide that to him in the sense that Nabil has these dreams. One of them in particular where he said he was, uh, one of these dreams he was standing, there was an arched doorway in front of him and his friend David was, was in front of there and they were in this big room having a, a big feast or a big meal and they were all facing to the left. But Nabil couldn't get in the door and he, he couldn't figure out why in the dream. And, uh, and what it was was he believed that Jesus was calling him just have to take that next step and walk through the doorway. So, but in the end, because of his conversion from Islam to Christianity, his parents pretty much disowned him. Um, they were strong Muslims and believed in everything they believed in, in Islam. Um, and it's, it's, it sounds emotional when he talks about it in his book. About He gets emotional when he's talking about it, how he's it's the first time he ever saw his dad cry when he told him. Uh, and his mum was, was a wreck too. And, and for a while, they didn't talk for a couple of years, I guess, after it happened. And the more and more he became strong in his faith as a Christian and started going to church and started preaching his message of conversion, they then pretty much literally disowned him. Uh, which is really, really sad, really shame that it had to go that far. But... It's just an amazing story, and I recommend to anybody, there's an audio book, there's the actual book. Uh, he's actually, there's some videos of him on YouTube. His story is amazing. It really is amazing. A devout Muslim who converts to Christianity. And I, it, it made me also think about my, one of my best friends at school in England was a, a Muslim, Abdul Khan. And me and him had lots of discussions, although I was age 11 through 16. He, it was very, very interesting, some of the discussions we had. Um, and he was just a great friend. I haven't seen him in years, but Abdul Khan, he was a, a great friend. But I actually want to have Rick bring those scriptures up that I mentioned. Um, if we look at John 1, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it's a plain and clear as day claim about Jesus Christ and who he was. Let's look at that real quick. John chapter 1 and verses 1 through 3 initially. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. So, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Pretty plain as day. And then verse, down to verse 14, John 1 verse 14 and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 
and the word became flesh. Again, it's as clear as can be. And then one more. Let's go over to uh, John chapter 8 and verse 58. This discussion that Jesus has with the Jewish authorities, and it finally comes down to this. <clears throat> John 8, 58. Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. The most, the most important, biggest thing a Jew could say at the time. A clear and plain claim to divinity. Because, of course, he's quoting him. He's quoting what Moses, what, what, uh, what God told Moses in the burning bush. I am who I am. So, and this, this is my main point basically here for this. <clears throat> if we want to stand with Christ, we must be able to defend him. Now, I'm not putting us on a level playing field with Christ by, by, no, by no means. No, he's up here, we're down here. But in the sense that we can defend him here on earth, in our everyday discussions with people, our friends, the world, we can do that. We can defend Christ. But we, but we must prove to others, to the world, that Jesus was who he said he was. The Son of God, the Messiah, God in the flesh. And here are the scriptures to prove it. Okay, I've just mentioned two or three. There are many, many more. I believe in my faith. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And here's why. What do you think? What do you say? And what's more, I believe he died for me. He sacrificed himself for us to wipe away our sins, to give us the chance to attain eternal life. He is my Lord and Savior, and I will never denounce him. Because that is the end goal of the world and of Satan the devil, isn't it? As we really, let's, let's go and look at the book of Revelation here because this is an important thing which is going to happen to the world in the end times. Revelation chapter 13. Let's look at verse 2 first and then verses 7 through 8. So Revelation chapter 13 and verse 2 is where we'll start. <coughs> Revelation 13, 2, if I can find my thing here. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, the dragon being Satan the devil, his throne and great authority. And let's jump down to verses 7 through 8. Verse 7. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of, of the life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. So this end-time government, this end-time power, which will be there, is going to persecute Christians like we'd never believed and never ever seen. It's plain as day. It's going to happen, and, we, and it's prophesied by the prophets and by Jesus himself. And this is why we need to set our house in order, so to speak. Do we stand with the secular world, or the softer Christian denominations who basically water down everything and say, yeah, 
oh, gay marriage isn't an issue. Come to our church. We'll accept you. Or the transgenders, yeah, you're transgender, but it doesn't matter. Come to our church. Well, if, if they're going to denounce that and come to Christ, then fine. But if they're not, and you're going to welcome them anyway, then what are you doing? You're going against what the Bible says. And I know I may be sounding like a freak now to the world, but this is, this is it. In the kingdom of God, the world tomorrow, there will be no gay marriage. Now, <clears throat> there may be gay people in it, and they're going to have to change. They won't be allowed. It's against what God says. God didn't create Adam and Steve. He created Adam and Eve. Transgenderism is it's against nature. God created man and woman. Not 72 names that you can give them, this, that, and the other thing. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. That, that's the world we live in, though, isn't it? And that's the way the world is has become the last 20, 30 years. It's just unbelievable. And my son graduated last night, so congratulations to Owen. Um, but what they're going through at school and what the schools are teaching and what the people around them, it, it, it's terrible. It's awful. And that's the world that we're, our kids are, are growing up in, unfortunately. Um, so, you know, do we... Do we do we stand with the, the secular world and those softer Christian denominations who do that? <clears throat> or do we stand with Christ and honor him and worship him as our true God and returning king? And because we're, we're seventh-day Sabbath keepers, and we keep the Jewish holy days, and, we beca and, we, and because we believe that Jesus Christ will return someday and set up his kingdom of God, that makes us extremists and crazy fundamentalists in the eyes of the world. And not everyone is going to see eye to eye with us on a lot of what the Bible says. But we are who we are, and we believe what we believe. <clears throat> and as Nabil Qureshi explains in his book, there's so many things um, that are never mentioned or you hear about, about Jesus and his life and his ministry, unless you get the Bible out and just read it, you know. Some of the stories that you never hear about or you'll never hear in Sunday, Sunday churches sometimes. But like we read in the book of Revelation, how an end-time power or government will come on the scene that will just outright persecute Christians is going to happen. You know, they will imprison us and execute some of us. It's, it's going to happen. That's prophesied, as Christ prophesied himself. And, but we're facing the kind of, as it were, the preliminary, preliminary rounds of this persecution with the cancel culture <clears throat> and how social media has become the deciders of censorship. What I mean by that is, for example, um, <clears throat> look what happened in the 2020 election where the guy who owns Twitter banned Trump because he just doesn't believe in what Trump says and doesn't believe in the conservative agenda. So let's just ban him. That's a form of censorship. What happened to the freedom of speech? None of them believe it. Twitter doesn't believe in the freedom of speech. Facebook doesn't believe in the freedom of speech. I don't know about TikTok and all the others. But they all have their own forms of censorship, and that's what it is. It's out and outright censorship like the Soviets used to have in the Soviet Union, the communists used to have, um, and what China has now. Speak out against the government go against what we say, and whew, you're banned for life. And that's what it's like. And social media will do that to you. And even, even simple things like uh, 
going on Google, they've now changed the search engines where they will not, they will try and convert you away from certain Christian things. Like, for example, um, United Church of God, this is in their, their literature, how it used to be very easy to be able to find, look up United Church of God and some of the things they believe. Now, Google have made that very, very hard, and it's not as easy. They're not getting as many people looking up at their, their websites and their literature because Google have changed it, but you can't get through as easy. That's a little thing there that they're doing, and it's going to happen more and more. So unless, I guess, you type in specifically what you want and this, that, and the other thing, it's, they're going to make it hard, and that's a form of censorship. And uh, I'm, you know, thank God that we live in America, but at least we have the First Amendment. But it's getting tricky, and we kind of have to walk away through the mud sometimes with some of these things, which you shouldn't have to do, but that's the way it's going. Um, so, so, you know, basically, we've got to be wary of all this. We've got to be watching all these trends and be ready. I won't turn there now, but Paul tells us, as we know, in Ephesians 6, to put on the armor of God. And we need that armor daily to fend off the fiery darts that the devil throws at us. Some of us more so than others. But by standing with Christ, by putting, on, by putting our faith in him, we continue to grow. We can pray for wisdom, ask him to have mercy on us, strengthen us, make us better ambassadors for him. And as Paul tells us in Philippians, let's turn there. Philippians chapter one, uh, chapter 1, verse 27. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now, I haven't read that in a long, long time, but it's, it's a really interesting way that Paul tells the Philippians. So, be such good Christians and show your spirit that I hear about it from others, and hear about it, that you're doing a good job over there. One mind striving together for the gospel. You know, we're brothers and sisters in Christ, we're in this together. We can encourage one another, pray for each other, and just be there as someone to talk to. And let's look at another thing that Paul says here in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58. I like this one. Paul turned the Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And as it says in my study Bible, all the work that we do for Christ will be rewarded. And that's the end goal in our life as followers of Jesus Christ. One day we will join him in the kingdom of God and live and reign with him for eternity. One day we can become part of the family of God as God the Father, Jesus his Son, and us in the kingdom. And that's what we look forward to. That's, that's the end game, the end goal for us. If you know how the story ends, 
there is going to be tribulation, persecution ahead for us Christians in general. It's going to be tough. It's going to be a, it's going to be really tough. Um, I honestly thought when I was a kid growing up, I honestly thought you know Christ will return by now. But whenever he does, we need to be ready. By by facing the world now, by standing for Christ now, we can strengthen ourselves, put on the armor of God, and be better ready for it and be better prepared for it. Put our faith in his word, in the Bible. Keep reading it. Stand with Christ. Keep reading the Bible and strengthen our beliefs. And by standing with Christ, we can make a promise to God that we are his servants. Now, here and now and forever. His workers here on earth. We can boldly speak for him. And again, I'm not putting myself on a level playing field with Jesus. But we can defend him here and now on this earth. We can do our part. As Christians, we need to stand up for what we believe in. We need to stand for our faith. If someone tests us, asks us a question, let's, let's have an answer. Let's be ready. And as Nabil Qureshi mentioned in his audio book, as soon as he said that, well, I thought, wait a minute. Jesus, no, he does say here and here that he claims his divinity is obvious. So we can boldly speak for him now here, and we can show the world who the real Jesus is, who the real Jesus of Nazareth was and is, and we can show others how to gain access to the kingdom.